This is Pennsylvania Legacies, the podcast series from the Pennsylvania Environmental Council. I'm Josh Rollerson. If you're not familiar with the area, at first glance, the suburban communities of Montgomery County look pretty similar. All of them were farmland just a few decades ago and were developed quickly and more or less concurrently. Each has a comparable mix of retail, light industry, and newish housing. But each municipality has its own unique characteristics and its own challenges. Pennsylvania has a lot of variety in its municipalities. Different sizes, different wherewithal, different levels of sophistication. Each township is different. Each township has its own flavor. Each township has its own constituency. One thing many of these suburbs do have in common is a shared stake in the health of Wissahickon Creek. It's the reason why 16 municipal governments in the Wissahickon watershed have forged an intergovernmental agreement, along with four wastewater treatment plants, Temple University, and a handful of NGOs, including the Pennsylvania Environmental Council. The goal? To seek out a comprehensive solution to the stream's many problems. We have examined those issues in some depth on this show over the past year. For background, you might want to check out episode 28 from March of 2017, also episode 60 from November. Today, we're going to focus on the partnership itself, the stakeholders, and what's at stake for them. The two of those 16 municipalities included in the IGA are Lower Gwynedd and Upper Dublin Townships. They're neighbors on the map, but in some ways they're farther apart than you might think. Their representatives in the Clean Water Partnership, however, share a leadership role on its management committee. To get a better sense of these communities and where they fit into the bigger picture of the Wissahickon Clean Water Partnership, let's hear from both co-chairs, starting with Upper Dublin Township Manager Paul Leonard. I've been the township manager with Upper Dublin Township for 22 years. Uh, Upper Dublin Township is a major uh, component of the Wissickon watershed, and uh, we've been involved in water quality, stormwater management, and wastewater treatment uh, for my entire tenure here and uh, will be for the foreseeable future. So how did this idea come about, this collaboration? For the most part, I think it's a product of necessity. Uh, Upper Dublin Township and our member municipalities have been subject to significant uh, regulation through an effort called TMDL, Total Maximum Daily Load. And I am not a uh, scientist or environmental expert, but these were uh, regulatory impositions from the Environmental Protection Agency, from the Pennsylvania Department of Environmental Protection, that were, that were and are going to impact these municipalities significantly. The partnership, out of necessity, took a look at those requirements, have to some extent uh, challenged them, but more importantly, the partnership, and it's a great word for it, are looking for ways to meet the goal that both the environmental community, the regulatory community, and the municipalities and the wastewater treatment plants all share. That goal is to improve the water quality, the quality of life, and the, certainly the quality of the environment that we're all responsible for. That's the shared set of goals. For you and the other municipalities involved, there's also a, a need to avoid what could be very costly compliance measures that you would have to take without the alternative. Have I got that right? Yeah, I think you're right. The process did not have a good start. Uh, in 2003, and in, I don't have all the dates exactly right, but uh, the Environmental Protection Agency and DEP completed uh, significant studies of the Wissickin watershed and proposed limitations on the total daily maximum load for certain components, whether it's phosphorus or sediment 
or temperature or different elements to try to set measurable ways to judge uh, uh, the quality of the stream and to you know, help direct uh, ways to clean it up. When those were evaluated, and it was a difficult task to evaluate them and to get all the data that was collected by the consultants, it was determined that it could be, one, very, very expensive, and two, by many scientists' uh, estimations, uh, impossible. So when faced with regulatory requirements which may be impossible, uh, one of the things we have to do is look at about the possible as well as the practical and certainly uh, what would have the best impact. So, for example, the TMDL that we faced was based on, for Upper Dublin or for the Wissahickon, a reduction in sediment to the stream, which is, you know, mud and stuff in the stormwater, by 63%. Uh, it was many people's estimation that that was not possible. But more importantly, uh, even if we did obtain that, would it, we end up with the results that everybody wanted, which was cleaner water, a healthier environment? particularly for our downstream neighbors who drink the water from the Wissahickon. The form that this has taken, the way you're working across municipal boundaries with community organizations, with DEP and EPA, all these stakeholders, is that a way of, of working that you're accustomed to? Is this a new thing for you? The municipalities work together pretty often. Uh, there's a very active group called the uh, Montgomery County Consortium of Communities where we purchase rock salt and police cars and things like that together. So we are used to working together. This is the only one that I've been involved with that works specifically within a watershed. Uh, Pennsylvania has a lot, of, uh, a, a lot of variety in its municipalities. Uh, you know, this community was first laid out in 1604 uh, and then took a number of forms before it became Upper Dublin Township. So we have a lot of municipalities of different sizes, uh, different uh, uh, wherewithal, different levels of sophistication, and, uh, but they all want to contribute to it. So to answer your question directly, Josh, uh, we, we don't have any partnerships like this, but absolutely uh, thinking in terms of an entire watershed makes perfect sense. It can't be based upon county lines or municipal lines, even for that matter, because water does not respect municipal boundaries. It goes where it needs to go. Let's talk about people living in Upper Dublin, uh, their relationship to the creek. Do they think about the creek? Do they use it for recreation? What's their level of awareness and engagement on this issue? I think it varies. Upper Dublin Township, the community is uh, well-educated. They are concerned about the environment. We have one of the uh, you know, most successful recycling programs uh, in the state. We have uh, you know, environmental education center. Uh, we have people that care to do things right. And they do want to have clean water. The elected officials who I work for uh, have clearly indicated that they also want to control stormwater. Um, you know, we have uh, you know, community members that are very active in the Wissican Watershed uh, Association, which is actually based here. Their central office is on Morris Road in Upper Dublin Township. We have, uh, you know, the executive director of the Friends of the Wissahickon who lives here. Uh, we have environmentalists, uh, landscape architects, scientists that get it. That said, our primary engagement with the uh, Wissahickon uh, in my tenure here, in my 22 years, has been related to stormwater. Upper Dublin Township uh, has made significant investments in stormwater. We've had uh, fatalities associated with flooding. For many years, uh, the Fort Washington interchange and parts of Fort Washington were the poster child of urban flash flooding. We would have uh, uh, news 
vans stationed out here before hurricanes arrived in our area so that they, because they were guaranteed to get good pictures of flooding. And this was historic. You know, the Wissahickon, the Sandy Run, which is a, the major uh, tributary to the Wissahickon that we, that we uh, flow our stormwater to, are very flashy. Um, uh, they have been channelized. They've been subject to sedimentation for decades. And they're not what they were, you know, back in, uh, you know, the, the prehistoric days. Uh, what they are are urban streams. And, uh, and we associate a lot of our understanding of it, how to avoid flooding of roadways, the economic uh, negatives of having uh, our Fort Washington office park flooded so that there's business interruption, uh, homes flooded, which we had to focus on a lot. And as I mentioned, fatalities. In 1989, we had an individual that was washed down a storm drain in, in the uh, Sandy Run watershed. We've had properties significantly damaged by having floodwaters in them. Uh, we've had dramatic rescues of people that are commuting to work by our fire company and police officers. So we pretty much focused on stormwater. I can tell you that in our circumstances, we were very fortunate. Uh, the Board of Commissioners here uh, made a decision to invest in two large flood control structures, flood retarding structures, uh, total cost in the order of about $18 million. These large dams, and they're dry, can accumulate some 425 acre feet of water in a stormwater event. What that means is an acre is roughly a football field. We're talking stacking a foot of water on a football field 425 times up in the air. So we're very proud of them. Uh, we have significantly changed the frequency and the economic impact and the potential life risk associated with flooding here in Upper Dublin. Importantly, when you go back to TMDL, those dams, by uh, their function, also can and do trap a significant amount of sediment. So Upper Dublin, when we talk about the partnership, was in a unique circumstance. We believe, and we've documented, that with the construction of those dams, that we met the TMDL that was proposed back in 2003. So we think we're, we were doing pretty well. The partnership is important to us because, as I said, water does not respect municipal boundaries. We want to be contributing to clean streams. We think we can do a lot better. You sound pretty optimistic about Upper Dublin's ability to, to meet whatever the challenge ends up being. Yeah, I do. One is because, you know, we came at it through stormwater. Stormwater was the priority for uh, uh, the elected officials here because of the impact on our office park, which is a major part of our tax base, because of the impact on homes and on life and quality of life. So we've been working on stormwater. The commissioners did a $3 million bond issue besides for the dams in, in just to go in and retrofit basins and make sure pipes were in good shape. Uh, we have, like uh, many of the suburban communities, a lot of detention basins. Over the last, you know, 25, 30 years since the 19, 1978 when stormwater regulations were mandated in Pennsylvania, every development that comes in in residential areas or uh, including commercial ones um, comes with a detention base and a hole in the ground. Many of them are not well maintained. Many of them were not well designed. Uh, a lot of them, and this is based on my experience, were um, developers wanting to get approval as fast as they can. How big a basin you need, we'll put it in and uh, they, they move on. They're turned over either to a homeowner's association or to some poor property owner to happen to be the guy that got the, the, the basin on his lot. And what we've been doing with that money that I just mentioned is going in, working with homeowners associations, working with uh, a variety of property owners and say, how's your basin doing? 
you know, and again, our motive was stormwater management because the basins were used to hold back floodwaters. But they also, if they're well-designed, if they're well-maintained, can also increase the quality of uh, the water that ends up in the Wissahickon. Tell me more about your involvement with the partnership as a committee chair. What do you do? What's your role? What have you learned so far from that process? Well, uh, you know, co-chairs, I'm not, sh- I'm not sure exactly how it happened. I think it's because um, I might have been late to the meeting and they said, you're going to be the co-chair. Um, I look at it as uh, the rare opportunity for a city manager to actually preside over meetings. Generally, I do not preside at meetings. Uh, I staff uh, and uh, support elected officials who preside over meetings. And I've worked with some great ones over the years, including uh, all the commissioners we have here. In this role, uh, it's mostly managers and representatives. It's a group that's trying to accomplish something. My role as a co-chair is to make sure that the meetings move on quickly, that they get done uh, per schedule, usually about an hour, hour and a half. And importantly, because I've learned this from the elected officials that I have admired in this, that everybody gets a chance to have input. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we run the meetings. We try to be succinct, uh, focus on uh, the data that's coming in, and and that's a big part of what we're doing because right now this partnership is really very much watching the work of uh, the Center for Sustainable Communities and the others to see what the scientists are saying. Uh, We need that in a very quick order, and we also need recommendations about what would be the alternative TMDL. If if not what EPA has proposed, what should it be? And uh, so we're watching that closely. So a lot of my job is to make sure that the meetings come off in a timely manner, that they're valuable, that they're not a waste of anybody's time. Uh, I, I have a co-chair, and uh, uh, Mr. Gray is, a, is a, an engineer, and he's kind of handling the technical side. And I've been handling kind of the meeting uh, agendas and moving that through. It's not that bad a job, and it's, it's kind of fun. Uh, we have people that know what they're doing. What William Penn did and PEC did is, you know, they, they made sure we had support. We have the Center for Sustainable Communities and uh, the scientists from Temple University. We have the Wissigan Valley Watershed Association, which is helping us. We have PEC themselves. Uh, and uh, part of the job is to coordinate that. They, the group is also engaged legal counsel. So uh, I think we have all the right people on the bus. Uh, I would not suggest that I'm driving the bus, but we know the bus is heading down a road because we want to propose an alternative TMDL that makes sense for these communities and that goal that we mentioned earlier. Well, Paul, thanks for your time. My pleasure. It's nice to talk to you, Josh. Paul Leonard is manager of Upper Dublin Township and co-chair of the Management Committee for the Wissahickon Clean Water Partnership. I also spoke with his counterpart, and that conversation forms the second half of this episode. Here's my chat with Lower Gwynedd Township Supervisor Mark Gray. What's your constituency here? Tell me about what you bring to this group, who you're trying to represent and advocate for, and where that fits in the bigger picture. Well, Lower Gwinnett Township, as well as the, all the other townships in the consortium here, have a, uh, a vested interest in making sure that we have clean waterways. And the uh, Wissahickon is uh, the major waterway running through all of these townships. And as you know, we have a mandate from EPA to take some assertive actions that could wind up being uh, very expensive and not necessarily effective. There are... I think 16 municipalities in the IGA and four wastewater treatment plants. 
and some municipalities have larger portions of the Wissahickon running through it uh, than others. Some are really have almost no uh, water runoff uh, going into the Wissahickon, and, and others like Lower Gwinnett have substantial amount of uh, water runoff and the the treatment effluent coming out of the wastewater treatment plant going into the Wissahickon. So that makes it a real challenge as to the community of interest. Right, so everybody has a slightly different interest. The townships that have, uh, like Upper Gwinnett and Abington, for example, uh, that have dedicated wastewater treatment uh, facilities, in other words, not shared like the Ambler uh, wastewater treatment plant is with us, uh, have slightly different financial concerns, and they wanted to make sure that their concerns are represented, uh, you know, strongly in the partnership because. You know, wastewater treatment plants are very expensive, and uh, if we were to have to build a new wastewater treatment plant, my uh, engineer tells me we should start thinking in terms of $60 million, and we frankly don't have that kind of a a resource available to us. So there's a lot of divergent um, thinking and financial skin in the game, so to speak, for all of the parties involved. So getting everybody on the same page is a real challenge, and the IGA does that. Tell me more about Lower Gwinnett people that live here, sort of the demographic profile, how engaged they are or are not in this process, and then how that is reflected in your work with the IGA. Well, Lower Gwinnett is about 10 square miles, a little over 12,000 people. We have uh, three retirement communities here. We have the largest retirement community of any township in Montgomery County. At least that's what I've been told. And the interest of a lot of folks that live here might be slightly different than those of some other townships. The uh, needs for uh, our EMS services in some cases might be a little bit higher uh, than other townships. Lower Gwinnett is also a bedroom community for the suburbs. Uh, we have some large pharmaceutical companies inside the township. So our, our demographic here is different, perhaps, than some other townships might be. So you, you have to try to fund everything. So we've taken this on as a group, enlisted the services of the scientific community, educational community, to help drive this whole process forward. Tell me why science is so important in this. Why does this need to be based on sound, careful, detailed research? Really good question, right? So you can look at it from a couple of different ways. The EPA is a very powerful organization, so is the DEP. We're a a group of small townships. There's a power advantage they have over all of us. So the only thing we can look to uh, is having uh, objective standards. What are the merits? We have to insist that whatever we do follow these third-party focus on getting getting it right. And the only way for us to do that in this instance is to insist that we have scientific rigorness in whatever we do. If we look at the, the waterway, what's causing the issues, that uh, the pollution issues, the nitrogen issues, the water runoff issues, the non-source point pollution issues, those things are the drivers. And the only way you're really going to investigate all of those is use the scientific method and determine where it is that uh, you have issues and then determine, uh, based on that the data, determine what it is that you're going to do. And I think it's pretty hard to argue with science in this case. Looking at the population, or I guess the populations, disparate kind of as you describe them, 
and their relationship to the Wissahickon, to the creek, and the issue of water quality generally in their area. Is that something that looms large in people's minds? Is that a communications challenge when the time comes you know, to bring more people into this conversation? I think it's going to be a big issue. Like I said, we have a large population of retirees here, and they're very focused on environmental issues. We also have a group of um, uh, younger families uh, whose children use our parks. Our, our, our little league is very big in our township and all these are sporting activities, and they're all outdoor activities. So you have the very young and in, in, in some retirees who are very focused on it, and the people in the middle are just trying to, you know, get to work every day, raise the kids, uh, pay their taxes, and, uh, you know, live life as best they can. So you have all of these segmented areas, and there's going to be a lot of pressure from the various groups, especially at, at the, the younger and the older group, to do whatever it takes to make sure that uh, the waterways and the trails and the environment is very clean, but then you have to pay for it. That's a very challenging issue because you have to take money from somewhere in order to fund all of those, uh, those things. So you want to make sure that the money you spend is money well spent, getting us back to the science. But uh, when it comes to actually implementing this, when we come up with a plan in 18 months, uh, 24 months as to what it is that we need to do, funding is going to be a big challenge. I can already see that. Well, one thing I keep hearing is that it's going to be kind of a leap to get people to think broadly in terms of belonging to a watershed being connected by this waterway. What has the history been of municipalities, organizations, stakeholders, government agencies working together in this way? Is this an entirely new thing or is there some precedent for it? In this immediate area, I don't know if there's a precedent for it or not. The area around the watershed is uh, was farming, traditionally a farming area, and that's no longer the case at all. Those farms are pretty much all gone. But that spirit of independence, do it myself, leave me alone, this is my territory. As everybody gets new neighbors and we all impact each other in, in various ways, we have to coordinate more so with each other. And that really hasn't been the case. Each of us have... Uh, in some cases, joint fire companies. Lower Gwent is involved in a couple of municipalities that where we share fire services and ambulance services. But for the most part, um, there's not much else in, in that respect in terms of formalized governmental taxing authorities or financing authorities to coordinate a whole area outside of standard, at the county level, governmental actions. They're just... There just isn't any. So this is, for us, this is unprecedented. I mean, what's this really going to turn into? And I've looked for models around the country that are in a similar situation as us, and there aren't very many. When I say there aren't any, there's some large municipalities around Washington and Baltimore and Philadelphia is involved in some of it around Delaware. Uh, But I can't find anywhere where there's a collection of smaller uh, municipalities like like the IGA here that really addresses this because the the financial constraints are so enormous potentially to to take corrective action. So when I look around, we're actually precedent setting. Kind of returning to this theme of what is Lower Gwynedd at stake in this process at the citizen level? You can say people you know have a, an ethic of stewardship and they use the parks and they value the outdoors and that's all true, but it's kind of abstract. Is there a more concrete 
level at which this issue impacts on people's lives? Like, for example, is, has flooding been a problem here? Well, it has been, especially in the Ambler area. Now, Lower Gwinnett and Ambler, uh, we're, we're right next to each other. There's runoff from all of these creeks, and a lot of that runoff comes from the surrounding area, comes through the townships, and in our area, comes through Ambler. So uh, if we can reduce the water runoff, which is more of an MS4 issue as opposed to the EPA uh, clean water issue, TMDL issue, that'll help Ambler quite a bit. And it's not going to get better unless we take some corrective action. Our neighbors in Ambler, uh, we're in a joint school district, so all our children go together. We share a lot of uh, the services like the, the wastewater treatment plant, like the fire company, like the ambulance, and so forth. Um, and if, if we don't do our part, they're going to be impacted as well. So given that there's this community of interest between Lower Gwinnett and Ambler, helping Ambler is a, is a priority, and the people in Lower Gwinnett know it. Uh, there's also a stewardship uh, component in Lower Gwinnett that in the past has been isolated to Lower Gwinnett in one respect because every township and municipality is responsible for its own parks. All right, its own pollution control in the MS4. Um, so as we grow and we integrate in, with other communities and they integrate with us, our trail system connects up with their trail system or surrounding communities, and that's by design. And so there's more integration. So as, as an institution, the uh, governmental institution and private institutions and the hiking, and the, we have some horse trails still in the township, all of those things work together in order to make the, the whole environmental issue a bigger, more integrated focus. But a lot of people in the township really don't realize what a big impact the Wissahickon is, because a lot of the Wissahickon is not readily seen by people. A lot of our parks don't necessarily touch on the Wissahickon. Uh, so if you go out for a walk in the park or one of the trails, you may or may not come across uh, the Wissahickon. If they've gone down the trail, the Green River Trail, for example, they'll see it and they'll know it's there. But a lot of people, they don't even uh, realize what impact it's having on the, the wildlife, the birds, uh, the bat population, those types of things. And you may not know that until uh, you've got a really serious problem. The average citizen in most of the townships, uh, they're impacted when the snow removal isn't done, their street isn't plowed, the garbage isn't picked up, or their park is closed, or the ambulance doesn't show up on time, or, or the police don't come when, they, when there's an accident. So they're touched by those activities, but they're not touched directly by water runoff issues because they don't see it. It's, it's invisible. When the sheets of water come off their highly manicured lawns, it flows somewhere and it disappears. So they don't really see or are impacted the same way as they would be if the plow doesn't come down their street. What most people don't realize either is that the Wissahickon is a source of drinking water for other municipalities farther down the stream. Philadelphia, for example, gets a lot of their water right out of the Wissahickon. So it really impacts them. But we don't necessarily see that up here. But we're all neighbors, and it's going to impact everybody. I'm glad you brought up Philadelphia because I had meant to ask, but how does that affect the dynamic? I don't know what the urban-suburban relationship is like around here. Often it's a little bit contentious, or at least, you know, there's some distance, right? Is this a potential pitfall down the road if it becomes a city versus suburbs 
thing or if people perceive it as serving someone else's interest and not their own? It has the potential to do that because, like any big city, uh, large cities are consumers of tax dollars and suburbs are the providers of tax dollars in general, right? But I don't see any of that in this uh, in the IGI. I don't see any of that in the Clean Water Partnership here we're all part of. We're, we all want to clean up the Wissahickon. Um, again, the communities of interest are slightly different, but the goal is just to have clean water, you know, just meaning, well, that can mean a lot of things in, in the Wissahickon. So there isn't any contention that I can see, at least so far, uh, because we're all driving for the, the same goal. And, and if that was to uh, rear its head, um, I would try to cut that off, as I'm sure Paul would, the other co-chair, uh, because that's just something um, that we don't need. This, that doesn't need to be part of this discussion. So as a chair of this working group, I'm, I'm curious like, what your experience has been working with people in positions similar to yours from other communities, people with various backgrounds, various stakes in the process. Is there a value that comes from having all of those different experiences in the same room? What, I guess what have you learned or what have you observed people learning from one another by being in this dialogue? Uh, that's a really interesting question. So, you know, you have a lot of diversity of thought. A lot of diversity of thought. And I touched upon it earlier. It's uh, if you have one municipality that's responsible only for its wastewater treatment plant, they may be more sensitive than a joint authority in, in, in the case of, of Ambler's uh, wastewater treatment plant. So what each township municipality thinks that you know, their, their community of interest is different. And you don't really hear a lot about it culturally, how we're different, whether, you know, the demographic and the, you know, the social economic demographic of the township. Each township is different. Each township has its own flavor. Each township has its own constituency. Those pressures come to bear on the township supervisors. So they, they mirror that. They reflect that. So when we have our meetings, they're very cordial. I'm happily surprised that there, there hasn't been any fisticuffs or anything like that. Uh, there's been some strong opinions, which are welcome, because unless you have those opinions and know what uh, people think and have a culturally safe place to discuss things, mm-hmm. which so far it has been, no one's browbeating anybody, you can hear with a different ear, so to speak, what those townships think is important, and you get a perspective that you don't have because our demographic is what our demographic is, and theirs is what theirs is. Well, it's interesting to think that even if even if this initiative isn't successful by you know by some definition that's yet to be determined, maybe if only at the level of having had this process and having spent this time together and having been exposed to these other perspectives, that some value has to come from that for future challenges that you're all facing by sharing a geographic space, however defined. Oh, I would agree with that. When we can get together and at least share ideas in a way that we haven't before, in a more formalized sense, right, I think this could offer a vehicle to addressing some of the problems that a lot of townships don't have the resources to address. And if we have a free-form, open, honest discussion, I'm very optimistic. If that conversation gets closed down for any reason, then, then it's going to be a problem. Well, Mark, thanks for your time, and good luck. Well, thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. Mark 
Gray serves on the Lower Gwynedd Township Board of Supervisors and co-chairs the management committee of the Wissahickon Clean Water Partnership, of which Pennsylvania Environmental Council is a partner. To learn more about the effort and the problem it's confronting, its scale, its complexity, and the need for hard science to begin formulating solutions, you want to listen to Pennsylvania Legacies episode 28 from March of last year and also episode 60 from November or visit the Wissahickon Valley Watershed Association website at wvwa.org slash clean water. Lots more information on the effort there. We'll provide links to both on the PEC website and the post accompanying this episode. You can subscribe in Apple Podcasts, in SoundCloud, Stitcher, or whatever audio player you prefer to use. Or you can just listen on the PEC website, peckpa.org. You'll find all of our past episodes there. While you're at peckpa.org, maybe have a look around at our program work. Check out the PEC Policy Bill Tracker or scroll through our blog. There's lots of content on the website. One more time, the address is pecpa.org. And that'll do it for this episode. We'll be back in two weeks with a fresh one. Until then, for the Pennsylvania Environmental Council, I'm Josh Rollerson. Thanks for listening. Thank you.